Good morning. We're reading from Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 through to chapter 2 verse 2. Philippians chapter 1 27 through to 2 2. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. And on to chapter 2, imitating Christ's humility. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. We're continuing our lessons in Philippians, so thank you for the reading and thank you again for just allowing me to continue in this journey with you in Philippians because that little bit that you're going to be missing of the last two verses actually comes up next week, so you've got to come back next week for the next exciting episode. We have God's word, it's been read before us, let's bow in prayer and ask the Lord what does he have to say to us this morning, let's pray together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for Jesus Christ, the living word. And thank you, Jesus, that you came into this world to show us what it is, who you are, and what is this word that we have from you. We thank you that you've given us of your Holy Spirit to, again, just empower that word in such a way that it'll be seed upon hearts that are ready to receive. And, Lord, it's our prayer this morning that we'll have hearts ready to receive. And so, Lord, we just know that there's always going to be a battle on in our minds as to what it is that you say and what we think we believe we need to know the truth we need to know Jesus as the way the truth and the life and so we thank you Heavenly Father for this day revealing truth revealing life and revealing Jesus as the word in his name we pray Amen so as we've been looking at Philippians and we continue in that journey from chapter 1 verse 27 we're looking into a situation here now about suffering and what does Paul say? Remembering, Paul, even in the, in the church at Philippi, they recognize him now as the author here, a man who's now been put back into prison. He was imprisoned in Philippi, and here he is again, and he's in prison once again. What's the purpose? Last week we talked about purpose of prison, purpose of the pit. Remember the purpose of the pit? It went a lot of PPPs. Well, this is, what sort of purpose would there be in suffering? I mean, Really? Do we have to go through this? Sometimes we don't choose it. I don't know if you remember, but it has been a case that many times out of suffering comes deliverance. Out of suffering also comes redemption. Redemption and deliverance. The sort of things that we're talking about this morning are things that in the first few verses here that we were reading about, and it says here, whatever happens. This is going to be life, isn't it? Whatever happens. We never know from one day to the next whatever will happen and here's Paul talking to this church in Philippi and saying whatever happens time is in God's hands I don't know if you remember Ronald Reagan past president of the United States back in 1981 you'd think a man of authority a man in position of power 
Well, he'd arrived at a place where he thought, I'm sure that I have arrived, and the next thing is, somebody comes up and shoots him. Now, that's not a very pleasant situation to be in at any time. And he suffered for that. And he went through a whole time of, you know, recovery mode, thinking, if I go out there again, what's going to happen next time? They're going to shoot me again. I mean, there's something going to happen here. If it happens once, it can happen again. Isn't that just like suffering? You've been through it once, will it happen again? Ronald Reagan was able to say after his failed assassination attempt or the failed assassination attempt on his life I have a now a new sense that I was spared for a purpose and that's what suffering's about I believe a purpose and here's Ronald Reagan saying I was spared for a purpose and that now all my time belongs to God after this he recognized that he'd gone through something tough something totally unexpected and he was saying but there's got to be a purpose. Otherwise, that bullet would have been a few inches higher and the conversation would have ended right there. God had spared him for a purpose. There is suffering in the purpose. And there's purpose in the suffering. Your time on this earth is in God's hands. We don't know how long we've got in this world. Some people think they're going to live forever. Sorry, not happening. And I think we can see that by this stage. So it's a case of going through whatever happens. And Paul is telling these people here, many of them perhaps now, because of the faith that they're professing, they're also going to be put in jail. Perhaps there was going to be more suffering for them than they realized. But what is Paul saying here? He says, well, I'm going through it right now, and whatever happens to me, as Paul would say, it's here for a reason. Remember last week he said, well, it's here, I'm here in the situation, and it's doing something. My suffering is actually advancing the gospel. Who would have thought? But that's what God is doing. So Paul comes along here in verse 27 and he says these words. So conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Worthy. Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. What's it to be a Christian? It's a name. It's something people put on, on those who follow the Lord Jesus. But what it is, is a, a name that we've got to live up to. Conduct yourself worthy of the name of Jesus Christ. If you profess to follow him, live like him. There is the story there. Jesus suffered. Are we ready? Are we prepared to suffer like Jesus? Most Christians, and I'll be honest with you, probably shake their heads and say, if I can avoid it, I will do that. Thank you very much. Well, it's not a case of suffering always in the extreme. Sometimes there's suffering even in the way in which people react to us even the other day somebody said to me oh so you call yourself a Christian what do you think I'd done wrong for somebody to actually look at me like that and say so you call yourself a Christian well all I'd actually done was down in the garden said to a person so we can use this tap here to water the lawn it doesn't matter because there's nobody paying for this from any of the residents here <gasps> and you call yourself a Christian ok let's think about that what did I actually say the perception was you're taking something away and you're using it it's nothing, it's, it's free and you're going to abuse it whoa, you see where I'm going here there's certain perceptions so you call yourself a Christian and it happens when you're suffering because suffering doesn't always bring out the best in us, does it? what's Paul telling these people here? live your life, conduct yourself in such a way that you are worthy of the name this word conduct also Paul says when he once uh, was in front of the uh, Sanhedrin in, in Jerusalem 
He said, well, my brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God. That same word, I've fulfilled my duty. I've conducted myself worthy before God. And what does it say? In all good conscience. That's all we can hope for, is that the things we do and the things we say, somehow God will remind us, is this the right thinking or the wrong thinking? The right words or the wrong words? Look, we're not going to always get it right. But hey, in a good conscience, we lived ourselves in the light of others and before others as well. This is not easy, as I said. And there's two words here that come up that Paul uses. In verse 27, it's be faithful. Be faithful, full of faith. And then he says, be fearless. Now, if there's two things you're going to try and do in life is be faithful and be fearless. In faithfulness, you stand firm, but you don't stand alone. No, there's things here that will help us to be one. I love that picture. It just says, together we are one. So many times, of course, we go through things and nobody actually knows that we're going through them. Now, we know that sometimes you don't always want to put your hand up and say, I'm going through a tough time right now because you sort of think it's my problem I'll deal with it not when you're one not when you're part of something else two hearts I'm sure there's a song about that somewhere two hearts is one you're part of a body of Christ you've come here now let us know how you're doing because who else will know apart from Jesus Christ and he doesn't always reveal everything to us so sometimes it's a good idea you tell us how things are going and be honest before God and before man and say I'm going through a tough time is there something we can do to help? Together as one. That's what Jesus prayed for. He would have prayed for a lot of things. And back in John chapter 17, he knows the cross is before him. What does he pray for? Well, I would have prayed for everything else except, Father, would you make them one as we are one? How important was that to Jesus? Make them one. Because he knew pretty well and we heard it the other day as Linda and I went to visit somebody how many churches have gone split and broken apart because disunity and whatever it was that caused it Jesus prayer hey it's fighting a, fighting a battle out there to be one because you know the moment something happens and you start praying and you start believing well guess what there's an enemy who also wants to steal kill and destroy and he's been doing a pretty good job ever since the day. Be faithful. Stand firm. Be fearless. Believing that as Paul said what's happened to me? Well it's turned out for my deliverance. It's turned out for my salvation. So can we stand together and say well I'm standing firm in the faith but I need help there. But can you also say I'm going to stand and be fearless because I know what's happening right now is going to be for my salvation. It's going to be be for my deliverance. That's quite something to think about. Standing together as one and knowing that the one is not just us, it's also with Jesus. He's the one who binds us all together. You know, as you go on reading here in Philippians 1, it tells us here in verse 29, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. So everybody who hears John 3.16 says for God to love the world and who can remember any more of that and his son but whosoever believes and suffers no it doesn't say that does it yeah I know thank you but you would think there should be a little bracket around there that say it's believing but there may also be suffering 
If we had known that before we signed on the dotted line saying, yes, Jesus, I'll be your follower, happened to Paul. He was told by Ananias after Paul, after he was known as Saul in that time. And uh, Jesus said to Ananias, go and have a chat with that guy. He needs to know that he's now following me, but he also needs to know how much he's going to have to suffer. Now, Paul at that stage could have said, I think I'll go back to being the bad boy that I used to be. Because if this involves suffering, I don't know if I signed up for this. Who remembers Eugene Peterson? I say remember because he died last week. And the message that he had written, the message translation of the Bible that he had written, here's verse 29 of Philippians chapter 1. Says Eugene, So there's more to this life than trusting in Christ. There's also suffering for him. And the suffering is as much a gift as the trusting. The suffering is as much a gift as the trusting. Suffering as a gift? I don't know so much. If you give me a present that says, open this box and you will suffer, I think I'll probably pass it back and say, thank you very much. Yeah, uh, that's not sort of the gift I'm looking for from you. What is this word? It's, It's translated here, granted. Granted. Suffering is a gift, but it's actually hidden. You know, when you look at the words granted, it's like bestowed upon. It's a privilege to suffer. Okay, now it's starting to get to the point of, really? Should I count this suffering as a privilege? And once again, I'm talking about not just in the physical. Not everybody's going to get beaten and flogged like Paul was. But there's a mental suffering sometimes. There's a suffering of soul and anguish. There's things that actually happen that cause us to wonder, what's going on inside us? You know the movie Passion of Christ? Passion? Have you ever thought of that? How strange. But passion is something that happens inside of you. Suffering. Jesus suffered. Jesus had this passion for people. If it wasn't for people, he wouldn't bother to come from heaven to earth. But it was for people, for others. That's the thing. Suffering is a gift, and in it is hidden mercy. See, how else do we grow? Do we grow through pleasure, or do we grow through pain? Some people say, give me pleasure any time, I'll show you how to grow. But yeah, that's pretty shallow. You'll have fun, you'll learn something, but it's really in the pain. It's really in the pain that you start to sort of think, okay, I'm at my last resources, I need some help bring the body of Christ around. I'm on the last resources. If they can't help, no. Jesus will always be there to help. That's what he's all about. Granted. A granted, a gracious gift, a privilege bestowed. You know, when Paul was writing to the Roman church in chapter 8, his verses that you'll probably recognize in verse 831, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with Jesus, graciously give us all things? That's the same word, granted, graciously given. So, is suffering graciously given? It's something that God says, I can trust you with this. I can trust you as a gift to take this suffering and to use it for my glory. You know, the children of Israel, when they were down in Egypt in Exodus, God says to Moses, I'm very aware of their sufferings. Did he do anything about it? 400 years later. Trust we don't live that long. 
400 years later, God sort of remembers, yes, I have heard their sufferings. They're in bondage in Egypt. What's God doing about it? He's preparing a person, a guy by the name of Moses, who had no idea what was been happening for his great-great-great-great-grandfathers and all the rest of it. Yes, they were in bondage in Egypt. And in Exodus 6, it tells us here, God says to Moses, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites. You're going through suffering right now? God hears the groans. You don't have to voice it. You just have to feel it. And God's there. He knows what's going on. I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, and I will free you from being slaves. There it is. Deliverance. Out of suffering would come deliverance. And the next words are great. The next words are as such that would probably have been something. He says, I will redeem you with outstretched arms. There's deliverance and there's redemption. Deliverance from the imprisonment that they're in, but redemption, that ransoming, that coming out, that's what it's about. I will redeem you with outstretched arms. Deliverance and redemption. Picture the cross. Picture Jesus on the cross. Outstretched arms come to set you free, come to redeem you. Remember what I shared a while ago, and it goes like this, that Jesus gave up his life for you, to give his life to you, so that he can live his life through you. Quite simple. He gave his life for you, to give his life to you, so that he can live his life through you. So you're not alone in the suffering. Jesus is suffering with you. You're one with the Lord Jesus. You're one with him. You're one together. He knows the suffering. Suffering is as much a gift as the trusting. So it's all easy to say, believe, believe and be prepared to suffer as well, whatever that might look like. Chapter 2, verse 1. Be encouraged, though. Easy to say. Not always easy to live. But the encouragement comes if you know you're united with Christ. That's what it's all about. Be encouraged, you who are united with Christ. We walk together with the Lord. We talk together with the Lord. We're working together with the Lord on this one. So what happens, of course, is that the opposite side of encourage is discourage. And even Moses, after having been told by God, I'm going to free you. I'm going to redeem you. Go and tell the Israelites. Did they receive that and say, Yay, it's all happening, it's all over. Unfortunately, the verse tells us that when when Moses reported this to the Israelites, that good news, right? We're being redeemed, we're we're being set free. What did they say? The word but, I've underlined it. They did not listen to him. Why? Because of their discouragement and because of their cruel bondage. It happens. After suffering for a while, you will lose courage. There will be discouragement. And because of this cruel bondage that they've talked about, it can happen. How are we going to overcome this when we say, oh, please don't be discouraged? Well, that's easier said than done. But take courage. If you're united with Christ, take courage. What he's gone through, we'll get through as well. It's got to be encouragement. It's got to be something that sort of says, well, God has allowed it. A while ago, somebody asked me the same question. Why does God allow it? Well, God has, at his disposal, of course, the will that says, I will actively be involved with you, or I will passively wait and see. There's always going to be growth somewhere along the way. It's got to be growth. Otherwise, we're wasting our time, and God's wasting his time with us. So out of that as well, 
He says, God has allowed it, and he didn't create it though, but he wants to use it to produce anew the nature of Jesus. If Jesus has gone through this, then God is waiting to see how are we going to react, and how are we going to grow through it, and how are we going to be more like his son Jesus. That's the ultimate game, ultimate aim as well. So if you know and you can see the purpose in it, remembering God is building you up. God is putting a foundation under you. And that foundation hopefully will one day, when the storms come and other suffering comes in various disguises, will hold you from sinking. That's what God's in the business of doing, holding up his people. Only God knows what the future is going to look like. He prepares his people for the future. You have a future. This is not it. Unless God says after the service, come home. And then you don't argue with that. You say, well, thank you, Lord God. I have done what I, you intended me to do. Trust you'll be back next uh, Sunday to hear the rest of the story here. But if you know, you will see the purpose in it. God is building foundations. God is going to strengthen his people. And how else? But through that. Because we're never too sure what pressure, what pain, things like that that may happen in our lives. You know, even Jesus said, yes, there will be weeping, there will be grieving. In John 16, he tells his disciples, but he says it's like a woman given birth. All the ladies out there, men have got no idea, but some of them would have been part of the process seeing birth happening. It's very intensive. It's very grievesome for those. There's a whole lot of stuff that goes on there. But at the end of it all, Jesus says, once the baby's born, the anguish, the distress becomes a distant memory. You may remember it, but hopefully it doesn't hurt so much anymore when you remember. You forget the pain. Trust me. It says so. I cannot vouch for that, of course. But that's the whole idea. Something has happened. Something has been traumatic. Something where you've had to suffer for a while. You will eventually remember it without the pain. And then you'll know that there's been purpose in the suffering. Why do some women have more than one baby? Well, okay, here's the story. I'm an only child, and I can tell you seriously, my mother would have died if she'd had another one like me. <laughs> no, she had no idea what I was going to be like. But yeah, no, there, there are times, and it does happen, and you sort of know what you know, and you sort of thank you, God, for one. That's enough I can cope with now. Well, God is good. God knows what we can cope with. There's still purpose in the suffering. And you know, when we start to remember what Jesus went through, that passion, it starts to build inside of us, I think, a thing of resilience, something that sort of says, well, if he's gone through it, and he went through much, much more, and then we're now we're talking not just pain of body, we know the crown of thorns, we know the nails, but we also know that there's this capacity that Jesus had to feel a very strong emotion, pathos. That's the word of basically, the passion is like pathos a capacity to feel strong emotion. When you read through the scriptures and you follow the ways of Jesus, you come across things then you, uh, as Jesus was like preparing to go to the cross and he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And there's agony in his soul. And he's having a real moment there, realizing what suffering is all about. We will hopefully never have to go through what he went through in that garden. That probably produced more suffering and anguish of soul than it did even there on the cross things were going on in there, agony 
even as he's coming into Jerusalem, he laments over Jerusalem. And you can just sort of picture the... He says, why didn't you trust me? Why didn't you believe in me, Jerusalem? If you had only known, if you had only known, his heart was broken for him. Even when his heart was broken, standing outside the tomb of Lazarus, his dear friend, he's standing there. And of course, most people were able to at least memorize one verse in Scripture, John 11:25, two words. The first one's Jesus, the second one is wept. Well done. Scripture memorization. So what does it mean, Jesus wept? Did he throw up his hands and lament and wail and bewoan the fact that his dear friend Lazarus is in the tomb? Here's the problem with our words in English. They're pretty limited. We get weeping and then we get weeping. And you know what? That word wept is the only time it's ever used in the whole scripture. And the only time is when Jesus is standing there and tears are just flowing. It was all happening in there. It wasn't happening up in his head and out of his eyes. From his eyes were tears. But it was in his heart. His heart was broken. He wasn't bewailing like so many other people would have around that tomb saying, oh, if you'd only been here, you know, and all that that goes with it. He stood there and he wept. But he wept silent tears. Tears are good. Going through suffering, you're allowed to cry. You're allowed to weep. That's probably a difference. So Peter reminds us, 1 Peter chapter 2.20, if you suffer for doing good and endure it, that is commendable for before God. Yes, suffering and endure it. God's, that's what God's looking for. He says, to this you are called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. You should follow in his steps. Chapter 2, verse 2 says, If you have any fellowship with the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Being one in spirit basically means following Jesus. Being one in spirit and purpose. Remember, we said there's got to be a purpose, otherwise it's all in vain. You know, Many of us will probably be recognizing that. Footprints. There are times when God will walk beside us and we say, thank you, Lord, for helping us to get through those times. And then there's times of one set of footprints. And when we see that it's only one set of footprints, we say, well, God must be carrying us through this one. And we can ask the Lord, get me through this suffering. Then he catches, for those who've had the privilege of being parents and with your children you want to see them walk don't you do you want to still carry around my son turned 30 the other day he's 6 foot 2 and weighs about 100 kilos do I want to carry around a baby of that size for the rest of my life no thank you we walk beside him we teach him how but every so often they say I'm tired pick them up Okay, that's one set of footprints so did you think Jesus was going to carry you for the rest of your life and I say that politely because seriously we're supposed to walk beside we're supposed to walk alongside and as we walk alongside who remembers three-legged races? so what's the story? you've got to put your arm around the other person you've got to have your one leg strapped together and you've got to learn to walk or run as it were but you've got this combination thing going on here arm, leg and now let's try run like that and of course the turmoil that ensues after those sort of things but it's not quite but get the picture arm around, leg beside, walking in step. So, it's nice to be able to be carried, 
better to walk. Because as you walk, you grow stronger. As you walk, you know you're walking in pace. And you're walking together. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens, there is purpose in the suffering. There is deliverance out of suffering. There's a redemptive quality out of suffering as well. We don't suffer just for suffer's sake. We suffer because of Jesus' sake. And he will bring redemption out of it. He'll bring something to glorify him as well. So as I've been talking along these lines, the word suffering may come in various shapes and disguises and sizes for you. Only God knows perhaps what you're going through. And that's the time now to ask God, is this suffering something we can use together, dear Lord? Because I've got to be built out of this, otherwise it's all in vain. There's got to be a purpose. So spend a moment perhaps before God and say, all right, I'm going through something like now. Do I share it with anybody else or is it just going to be me and you, Lord? And that's okay as well. I mean, God can cope with it. But if you do need to share it, feel free to do that as well. But God will enable us to understand that as well. Spend a moment before the Lord and then I'll close in prayer. Thank you, gracious Jesus, that you're in our midst and you've been here, Lord, speaking through your word, giving us guidance, giving us again the understanding of what it is to walk with you. Lord, we just know that there are going to be times when we want you to carry us, and that's okay. We want you to carry us over these things sometimes, Lord. But uh, we also know, Lord, that there's times when you want to walk with us through these things. And so we're asking Heavenly Father to show us through Jesus Christ what it is to walk together through deliverance and be in that deliverance redeemed people of Christ. Lord, we just need to know the purposes sometimes. We may not understand them always, but always we do know that all things are working together for good. And so, Lord, may you be glorified even in our suffering that we'll be built up as children of the living God, able to endure and being resilient against all the foe that brings against us. Thank you, Jesus, for being involved in our lives. But thank you also, Lord, for allowing those things to happen in our lives that only you know is going to produce good fruit. And that's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.